Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. It was 1977. 1977. I was in sixth grade, and I go, and now I know what you're thinking. Man, you're old. Okay, I get it. But it was 1977. I was in sixth grade. A small church, I remember, had just started near the elementary school that I was attending. Right? This little church had kind of popped up, and and uh, it wasn't long. I mean, it, it wasn't long to notice that something, guys, that something had changed in some of the kids at our school. I'm in sixth grade, and I'm noticing something's different. These kids are just changed, right? And you kind of hear stuff. You're like, hey, little church pop, what's going on, right? And you see this, and, and, and kind of, you're like, you know, you just kind of come and you're in sixth grade, right? And, and so again, instead of these kids who used to be the bullies of the school or the, the kids that used to just always be fighting on the playground, now all of a sudden, guess what these kids are doing? I mean, they're the older kids and, and they're preaching, they're, they're preaching Jesus. They're preaching a message of love, right? A message of hope. And so I'm in sixth grade and I'm watching this. I'm going, wait a minute. These are guys that used to beat up each other. And now what is going on? This little church popped up. And of course, it affected my heart so much. My response was the same as others. I thought these kids were brainwashed. I'm like, these kids, no, there's somebody, they're going into this church and they're being brainwashed. I'm telling you right now, I'm not getting any part of that. I'm leaving there. Don't preach to me this, <clears throat> whatever you're preaching. I figured that they had joined some sort of a cult group and and they were trying to get us to drink the same Kool-Aid, if you will. Come to church, they said. Come check this out and your life would be different. They share the gospel message. Well, as most of you may or may not know, I grew up in a home that was Catholic and I pretty much in sixth grade said, no, I'm not going to do this. I chose not to follow and said, well, the message must be for somebody else. Well, fast forward a couple of years from sixth grade, and I find myself in ninth grade back in high school, right? Ninth grade in high school, and uh, it was my first period class, which was choir. Now, I know what you're thinking. You took choir? Yes, I took choir. Okay? Don't judge me. Here's why. Because choir, you have a lot of voices, so nobody could really hear you, okay? It's not like solo. So choir was cool, right? So I'd be sitting there, and I'd be singing, and if I didn't sing real well, then I would sing low. And so I was in choir, right? And um, these two girls began to share the gospel with me in choir, and I'll never forget because because we're sitting up there and the teachers say, okay, everybody take a break. And we were singing the, you know, so la ti do and all of that. So do dear. And I remember all of that. And then <clears throat> we'd have a break and these two girls would say, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus. Now, let's be straight, right? I listened more intently in ninth grade to these two girls than I did in sixth grade. You go, why is that? Well, they were girls. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm in ninth grade. I'm like, you're talking to me? You know, get the spit and fix your hair and be like, yes. It didn't matter what they were saying, and some of you got that reference, but never mind. And of course, they're sharing the truth of Jesus, right? And they're telling me how Jesus came down from heaven, died in my place, offered forgiveness for my sins, provided everlasting life, and that one day I'd get to go to heaven. Now, I sat and I listened to them as I received. As a matter of fact, they actually said, now listen, and, and now check this out. This is public school, and they come, and they open their locker, and they give me a Bible. And I mean, it's just like, we're just, I'm just like, cool, right? And they're telling me about Jesus, and my response in sixth grade, you guys are brainwashed, man. You guys are crazy. In ninth grade, I'm going my response was a little bit different. You want to know what my response was? I remember grabbing the Bible, looking at it, listening to what they said. And I walked out of the class that day with this thought, right? And I told God, God, if I'm good, I'll go to heaven. And if I'm bad, I'll go to hell. 
It's up to you. That was my response from the gospel message. Guys, looking back at my life, my life choices, whether it was sixth grade and I saw kids that used to be a bully now, now be nice to each other, or girls that were telling me about Jesus, guys, my life choices when it came to the gospel was, was I really had what I call stinking thinking. I didn't get it. My eyes were still darkened. The eyes of my heart, you know, we used to sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you. Well, the eyes of my heart weren't open. In sixth grade, I'm just, don't have a clue what's going on. In ninth grade, I'm like, if I'm, if I'm good, I'll go to, anybody ever say that? If I'm good, I'll go, you remember that? We're just, we're basing our eternity, we're basing our, our, our eternal life with how good we are. Well, how do you justify that, Ben? Well, I've never, I I don't smoke, and I don't drink, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. I think I'm pretty good. But are you really that good? Pastor, your point? Church, aren't you glad Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us? Aren't you glad, guys, that he's the God of the second or third or fourth or thousandth chance? I mean, I think about, I think about the implications of a sixth grader or a ninth grader going, no, God, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with you. I'm cool. Thumbs up. If I'm good, I'll be there. If not, well, that's just how it is. And I can imagine God crossing his arms and going, really? Okay. I've got other people I need to save, and God doesn't do that. I felt the conviction, church, and the weight of my sin. The guilt of my life was ever so present, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a point in your life where you did feel the conviction. You felt the weight of sin, and you said, wow, yeah, guilt in your life was overwhelmed. It was ever so present. And then one day, guess what God did? He saved me. And here's what I call it. His love broke through. His love broke through. Why? Because nothing else is going to get through a hardened heart but his love. You go, what do you mean? Here's the thing, guys. Church, listen, 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 listen. A lot of times, guys, we can can modify our behavior based on circumstances. Life isn't going too good. Things are happening. Okay, God, I'm going to be good. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? Your kid gets in trouble. What do you do? Well, they they modify their behavior pretty quick. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to wash the dishes. And they want to get on your what? Your good graces. Well, we sort of do that with God at times, right? Life's not going so good. Things aren't really happening. You know, relationship with our spouse is just out of control. And so we go, God, I want to change my life. But it's not a, well, it's not a heart that has been transformed or broken. God's love hasn't come in here. It's simply, help me, church, behavior modification. We modify our behavior in hopes that the God of the universe will look down and be pleased with us. It isn't in his love that, that breaks through our heart. And that's what God did. He broke through my heart. I gave my life to Jesus at the tender age of 17. And the only thing I regret was I didn't do it earlier. That's the only thing. You see, God, if you take nothing else from this message, church, know that God is a God of second chances. And he never gave up on me. His love pursued me until the eyes of my heart was open. He's a God of second chance. And maybe for you, maybe for you tonight, you feel the same. You feel like, oh my goodness, I'm wanting so much more from God, but I, I don't know. Is he, is he going to give me a second chance? Is he going to give me a third chance? I mean, I just don't get it. And, and I want to say to you that's, that he is a God. And maybe it's not your second chance. Maybe it's not your third chance. Maybe you're like on your 5,000th chance. God, please. And yet God is continuing to pursue you. And that's where we find our boy Jonah tonight. See, God 
isn't done with Jonah. A lot of us, well, we would admonish Jonah. We would say, Jonah, really? Look at you. You're running from God. You can't run from God. David in the psalm says you can't run from God. What's your problem? And we would admonish him, and yet God is going, I'm not going to admonish him. I'm going to save him. I'm not done with Jonah. I don't know about you, but isn't that encouraging to you? Because God's not done with you. God's not done with you. He's got plans and he's got, he's working through your life. And sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm so frustrated. And God's going, I've got you. I've got you. I've seen, you don't, here's the thing. You don't see you how I see you. You never see, we, we don't see us how God sees us. We see us struggling. We're depressed, bummed. We see us out of control. We see us making bad choices. Can I get an amen? And yet God sees us and going, okay, no, no, no. I've got, I still got a plan for you, man. I still got a plan for you. That's where we find our boy Jonah. That's where we find. He, he's never stopped pursuing Jonah. You know what God did? You know how much God loved Jonah? You go, how much? He created a fish so that Jonah could be saved. He created a fish. Now, for Jonah, it was a fish, a circumstance, a problem, right? Because now he's, he's drowning, and God goes, you know how much I love Jonah? You know what? I'm not done with Jonah. As a matter of fact, look, I'm going to create this fish. Now, check this out. We're flying over the Mediterranean Sea, and I look down, and I snap a picture. I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook, but there's a ship. There's a tiny little ship. I mean, it's probably big, but from up there, and I'm going... You've got to know that there's a fish out there that swallowed Jonah. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Why? Because people are like, oh, you think God really created, do you think a man could fit in a fish? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. God loved Jonah so much, guys, that he created a fish. And you know what God is doing right now? He's giving Jonah a second chance. But let me say this to you. If you're taking note, jot this down. Not only Jonah, but God going to give the Ninevites a second chance. Why? Because God loves people. God loves people. I, I want you to think about this for a second. Think about how much Jesus loves people. You know those bracelets back in the day, how, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Do you remember the WWJD? Do you remember those? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do, right? We all, we all excited. It's like, hey, WWJD, right? And, and you'd have one of those, and, and it was like, what would Jesus do? But really, I mean, think about this. If you really want to know what would Jesus do, read the gospel. Follow him. Look how he handled people. Look how people talk to him. And that's what Jesus would do. And let me say, let's, ready? Spoiler alert, he loved people. Aren't you glad about that? Because I'm people. I don't know if you're people. I'm people. And he loves me. And in sixth grade, he didn't turn and go, well, that's up to you, dude. You're just fine. In ninth grade, he didn't say, look, Forget about you. He said, no, I love this dude. I've got a plan for his life, and I'm going to keep pursuing him until the eyes of his heart open, and I said yes to him. When I said yes to Jesus at 17, God didn't go, okay, Ben, check this out. Listen, you're mine now. Yes, Lord. You know, right? You know, remember when you're, yes, Lord, it's so cool. Amen, right? Okay, Ben, here's what I got planned for you. You're going to go, you know, you're going to marry this woman. She's going to be the love of your life, and then you're going to do this. And it, <clears throat> by the way, you're going to pastor a church. He didn't say any of that. Why? <coughs> I might have been like Jonah and run the other way. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So I thank God, guys, for second chances. As a matter of fact, I was looking today, and, and I don't know if you know the fella Haddon Robinson writes a great story on second chances, and uh, it goes like this. Let me share it with you. It was on New Year's Day in 1929. Georgia Tech played the University of California in the Rose Bowl. 1929. In that game, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California. Somehow, he became so confused that he started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? One of his teammates, Benny Loam, outdistanced him and downed him just before he scored for the opposing team. 
when California attempted to punt, Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety, which was the ultimate margin of victory. That strange play came in the first half, and everyone who was watching the game was asking the same question. What will Coach Nibs Price do with Roy Regals in the second half? The men filed off the field, went to the dressing room. They sat down on the benches and on the floor, all but Regals. Why? Because he put a blanket around his shoulder, sat down on the corner, put his face in his hands, and he cried like a baby. If you've ever played football, you know that a coach usually has a great deal to say to his team during halftime. That day, Coach Price was quiet. No doubt he was trying to decide what to do with Regals. Then the timekeeper came in and announced that there were three minutes before playing time. Coach Price looked at the team and said simply, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up and started out all but Regals. He did not budge. The coach looked back and called again to him, still didn't move. Coach Price went over to Regals and sat and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second. Then Roy Regals looked up and his cheeks were wet with a strong man's tears. Coach, he said, I can't do it to save my life. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then Coach Price reached out and put his hand on Regal's shoulder and said to him, Roy, get up and go back. The game is only half over. And Roy Regal's went back, and those tech men will tell you that they've never seen a man play football as Roy Regal's played that second half. It's a God, we serve a God of second chances. And I know, church, I know that there are times in our walks with God that we feel like we have blown it. And that we've messed up and that we've made some bad choices. And yet, God is like the coach and he's going to put his hand on his shoulder. He's going to say, get up. We have a whole second half to play. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on you. Church, can we agree right now before we get into our study? Can we agree that there are people in our lives right now that we can say, I'm not giving up on? They're walking away from God. They're walking in the world. They're out of control. But we have to say, I'm not giving up on them. How so? I'm going to pray. I'm going to love people back to life. How do we do that, church? How do we do that? For some of us, it's simply praying. It's simply praying. For some of us, guys, listen, you, you realize what a text can do. Oh, yeah, I text a lot. No, 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 a, a, a genuine encouraging text. I'm thinking about you today. I love you, brother. Praying for you. We need to love people back to life. Can we just agree there are people right now, and you're thinking, and God's putting that in your heart, there are people, I'm not giving up on them. Oh, oh, they might be running the ball the wrong way. They might be, they might be just, you're going, I, and you're thinking they're so far from God, I don't know. Can we agree? Not giving up. Why? Because God doesn't give up. He's a God of second chances. Now, remember where we left off three weeks ago. Right here, Jonah, where is he? Well, he's in the belly of this great fish. And what's he doing? He's probably eating sushi. I don't know. I mean, there's probably raw fish. I don't know. He's not eating sushi. I'm just kidding. Just saying if you're paying attention. He's in the belly of a great fish that God created so that Jonah could live and not die. And you go, how so? Well, remember what we talked about, this amazing great storm. This storm was so fierce, guys, that the, that the mariners, the sailors were like, this is too, this is out of control. Are you kidding me? And they're freaking out. Right? They're freaking out and they're just like, right? This God sent this fierce storm that was so violent. Again, the sailors began to panic and they started throwing things overboard. And no doubt they were looking at people who they could throw overboard. You know, it's like, okay, who's the heaviest of the sailors? Let's throw him. And they were looking and while in the midst of this pagan prayer meeting, 
they realized that what? Remember? That Jonah wasn't with them. Where was Jonah, church? Jonah was in the bottom of the ship sleeping. He's going, he's like, I'm out. Why? Because the best place to run from God is at the bottom of a ship. Really? And so they said, Jonah's not here. Where is he? He's sleeping. Now, they knew that Jonah was running from God, right? Why? Because they all read his Facebook page. They all said, he's running from God. Look at that. He's in the, they, all, they all read it, right? Because they're all friends. Even though they didn't think they were friends, they were friends. And they were asking Jonah, how did you get friends? And anyway, it's not about friends. But anyway, the point is, is that they saw it on the Facebook page. Okay, Jonah didn't have a Facebook page. But the Bible tells us that these men were exceedingly afraid to him. And he said, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Can I just ask you a quick question? Can we, church, flee from God's presence? So if we're going to admonish our boy Jonah, this would be the place. Jonah, really? You think you're going you're to flee from God's presence? We can't do that. So what do they do? How do we get saved? Throw Jonah in the sea, right? So God created a great fish to save Jonah. It tells us in verse 17 of chapter 1, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. How many days? Three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Well, what does Jonah do? What would you do? What have you done? Pastor, your point? You know what Jonah does? Jonah prays to the Lord from the belly of a fish. He prays to the Lord, right? Now, I was thinking about prayer, okay? Because we're going to read his prayer real quick, but but I want to I want to contrast his prayer with some of our prayers, okay? Because sometimes, right? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pray. You get you get in your and, and you okay. I'm I'm gonna pray, okay. And and it starts off great, right? Our prayers are sincere, and we love God, and we're gonna pray. And and, and here's how mine. Now, I'm not talking about I'm talking about here's how my prayers go. Sometime, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm in your presence, and I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your great love, and Lord, you're amazing and wonderful. And then and then he'll. You start thinking of people, and I want to lift up my wife to you, and I just want to, and, and so you start doing that, but I found, here's, here's how my prayer goes. I usually found that it just kind of, Lord, and, and, and I just want to thank you for my wife, and she's been good to me, and Lord, so help me, help me be, and then all of a sudden, how do the prayers, the prayers come back to who? To you, right? And that's okay, but it seems like our prayer life is just really, and, 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 and so we're just naming off stuff. And so I pray for my daughter, and I pray for her husband, and I pray for a great marriage, I pray for... And so you're going through the list, and then you, what do we say? In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer. I don't know if that's... Now, notice his prayer. Contrast that to yours. Okay? So Jonah's in the belly of a fish. He's actually saved because he didn't drown. Hear how, listen how he prays. Verse 2 of chapter 2. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. I think we can get an amen right there. Because we cry out to God when we're afflicted, right? When things are tough, we're like, God, please help. Look, church, can I let you in a little secret? Here's what I want when I want God to help me. I want him to pick me up out of the situation and put me somewhere else. Why? I don't like to hurt. I don't like affliction. So what happens when we are part of, of something? What, what happens, church, when we are part of being inside the belly of a fish? The fish is not the problem. It's the consequences from Jonah running that he ends up in a fish. Okay, so he's in a fish. What should our prayer, I mean, what should our prayer be? God, show me. How can I learn from this? How do I need to grow? Lord, I don't, I, listen, you are the greatest teacher there ever, and there are so many, what? There are so many tests. I don't want to have to take the test again, so I want to learn from this. Lord, I'm in the belly of a fish. Teach me what I'm supposed to learn. But a lot of times I want God to pick me up and say, Lord, I cried out in my affliction, Jonah says. And he answered me. That's a good place for an amen, because God will answer you. When you pray, believe that God answers you. 
And God answered me, he said, out of, answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Notice verse three. He says, for you cast me into the deep. Now that's important. Why? Because in his prayer, who is he saying? The men threw him over, but who was ultimately threw Jonah over into the sea? God did. God's like, he's like, God, you threw me over. I get this. I was disobedient. I was running from you. I was, you took care of this. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves have passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. Notice his prayer. The water surrounded me, even my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And I went down into the mornings of the mountain, and the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. What a prayer, isn't that? What a prayer. What a prayer Jonah does. I guess for me, church, and and I'll preach to me and you can listen if you want to. I want to pray like Jonah prays. But I don't want to necessarily be in the belly of the fish to, to pray like that. I don't want to pray out of circumstances, and I don't want to pray off of, of this is what's going on. I want to learn to pray that way so that I can just, so, so I know that God hears me even before the circumstances. I, I, I want to build a foundation in prayer. Anybody with me? A foundation in prayer. You go, why? Because isn't the foundation key to any type of building? It's funny. Uh, uh, you know what? having my grandbaby at my house is like the coolest thing. And she'll come in and she'll say, I want to build some blocks. Let's build with the blocks. And you know what the first thing I taught her was on the blocks? I said, we got to build a foundation. She's, she, that's what she, we got to build a foundation, grandpa. And I just love that. Why? Because if you'll watch your kids just a little bit from whatever age, they'll show you They'll show you so much that God the Father is trying to teach you. And, and, and I love this prayer. Now, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. I think it's brutally honest that he would pray this. And you go, why? Listen, don't you just love that the Bible is super honest? Because if I was writing this and I knew you all were going to read it, I think my prayer would have been a little bit different. I think I would have sugarcoated a little bit. Well, here's the writings. I wasn't really running from God. I just felt like I needed a vacation. And, and, and you know, the sailors, they didn't really throw me over. I sort of tripped. And I was in the water, and I was like, God, please help, right? Because why? Church, don't we want to make ourselves look so much better than what we are? But I love that Jonah's writing this, and he's going, listen, I'm real. Why? I love that. Why? Because God encourages us to be real in our prayers. In our prayers. Listen, sometimes when you pray, sometimes when you pray, you're mad at God. I would never be mad at God. Listen, God wants you to be honest enough to where you can go, God, I'm upset and I don't know why. And I need to just, I need to confess that to you. Sometimes you don't understand, and you say, God, I don't understand. Anybody ever say that? God's big enough to go, I get it. You're not going to hurt his feelings. Here's why. Listen, church, just because you don't say it doesn't mean God can't see it in your heart. Huh? Anyone? Just because we don't say it, right? How many of you know, let me just illustrate this point because you're looking at me like you don't believe. How many of you know that you can tell when somebody's upset even if they don't say a word? Right? 
How do you tell somebody's either upset, right? They get these little lines right here. What's wrong? Nothing. Really? Maybe they don't get the lines right here. Maybe they, how can you, can you tell if somebody's really sad without even talking to them? Of course. Why? Because we know that. And yet God looks deep in our heart and he knows. And so I would encourage you like Jonah, in your prayer time, just be honest. Just be honest. God, I'm, I'm really super bummed today because this happened and this happened and I wasn't expecting this. And my day was just a mess. And I went to the mailbox and I found an unexpected bill. I don't have the money to pay this, God. Lord, how can I serve? I really want to serve you, but I'm just really upset right now. And I don't even want to go and, you know, and God goes, I know. And what he does is he says, I've got you, my child. And then you can say, okay. And like Jonah's prayer, he says, okay, I get it. And here's, and then just allow his grace and mercy just to flood over you and how good he is. You go, Pastor, I got a question. I've prayed, but my circumstances haven't changed. But prayer will change you. Prayer doesn't always change your circumstances, but prayer will change you so that you, church, listen, so that you can walk through this circumstance and this trial just a little bit better. Now, let me say this. Let me say this, okay? And I want to encourage you. Why? Because God's got a second chances. You might be here today and go, Pastor, I, just, I still struggle. But listen, let me say this to you, okay? You may not be where you want to be, but you're definitely not where you were. And here's the key. You ready? Keep moving forward. You know the devil wants to do is kick you down and keep you down? Keep moving forward. And somebody says, man, you're worthless. You're, you've messed up. You know what I say? <laughs> Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross because that's what that, I mean, isn't that what the cross was for? Jesus looked at me in sixth grade and said, man, I've got to die for this dude. Jesus looked at me in ninth grade and said, I've got to die for this dude. Why? He's a mess up. And then he says, and then he turns to probably one of the angels and he says, and not only that, but when he becomes a Christian, he's going to be even more of a mess up. Am I, anyone? Thank God for the cross. I know. I know. I struggle. You struggle. We all have issues. Let me let you in a little secret. Okay, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching. You ready? At Calvary Chapel, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. What does that mean? Keep moving forward. 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 It, it, it's so funny. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but but there's a there's a one year old that that just turned one, and just started learning to walk. And I saw her outside in the in the foyer, right? And, and she's learning to walk, right? And, and I just got this beautiful picture of us walking. One years old, she's learning. She's scared and she's holding on and she's unsure, but she takes the steps, right? I'm sure she's fallen. And not once has any adult said, well, that's it. You just, you, you're never going to walk. Just, just stop it right there. What do we do, church? We say, oh, come on. That's okay. Get up. Let's try again. And one day, she's not only going to be walking, but she's going to be running. And that's what it's like with the Christian life. One day, guys, you, you might be walking and you might be stumbling. But one day, you're going to be walking. And then you're going to get a little jog going. And then you're going to be running for the kingdom. And you're going to be running hard and fast over the things of God. And the person you are today... The per person you are today, you ready, is not going to be the person that you are going to be. You're going to be running for God. But let me say this, and I'll jump back in my text. You ready? Please don't think that God loves some future version of you. He loves you the way you are right now. And your walk is, is he loves you just the way you are. 
And don't think, well, I just got well, to be better and then he'll love me more. No, he loves you the way you are right now, not some future version of you. He loves you the way you are. So don't give up. Don't give up. I've got way out of track, so we need to jump in to our text. So obviously, if you know, I'm calling this message, what, a second chance for Jonah and Nineveh. So we pick it up in verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I want you to note that the fish always obeyed God. Okay? God spoke to the fish. The fish listened and obeyed. Right? And I think that's key. Why? If a fish can obey, we should obey. I wonder what God said to the fish. Right? Could you imagine? I wonder if that conversation, I'd, like I'd like to be in that conversation. <laughs> God was talking to the fish. He's like, hey, listen. Listen, it's time for Jonah to do my work. Right? It's time for doing our work. Why? Because the Ninevites need a second chance. And the fish is like, so what do you want me to do? I don't know if he said that, but he's like, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to spew them out because it's, it's time for people to have a second chance. So most likely, Jonah was vomited up on the, on the shore near Joppa. Now think about this. This had to be undoubtedly the most humbling experience that he could have, don't you think? Why? Well, God saved his life and in the process taught him obedience. He saved, he saved because the fish obeyed God and spit him. I mean, can you imagine? I was running from God, right? But the fish obeyed God and that's why I'm here. I mean, that's humbling. But God is a God that's so awesome. He's a God of second chance, third chances, fourth chances. Picking it up in verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Don't you just love that? This is amazing love, guys. This is amazing love. That God, to his wayward people, that he would give us a second and a third chance. Though Jonah did everything he could to resist the first call of God. No, I'm not going to do it. After Jonah repented, God called him again. Though Jonah was no under no obligation to do it, he did it out of mercy. And, I'm sorry, under, though God was under no obligation to do it, he did it out of mercy and grace. And so what happens, right? What does he say? Jonah, he came to him a second time. So what's God going to say to Jonah? Look at verse 2. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Now, here's what I want you to understand in contrast, okay? Number one, okay, number one, think about this. Instead of telling Jonah to cry out against Nineveh, God simply tells Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh and wait for further instructions. You go, how so? Well, in verse chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But now he doesn't say cry out against it. He says, I'm, I'm, you, you need to go and preach a message, but you need to go first. You need to go first. Jonah's going without instructions. Why? God has got a second chance, and he's saying, Jonah, I want to see how obedient you're going to be. Go to Nineveh. And when you get there, you'll get further instructions. I love what Jonah does. Jonah doesn't have a message in his hands. He goes and he says, I'm going to go. If you're taking note, verse 2, guys, write this. Obedience to the Lord is key. Obedience to the Lord is key. Now, we have a problem, right? Er, Time out. Why? We have a problem. What's the problem, Ben? Here's the problem, church. Listen. God says go and wait for further instructions. But you know what my flesh says at, at those times? My flesh says, wait a minute, that's irritating. Tell me what I need to do. Give me the whole message. Give me the package, the whole enchilada. I want to go. We, don't, we need to have faith enough when God says go, we just go. If he says wait for further instructions, we wait. We just wait for further instructions. One pastor writes it like this. The story of Jonah demonstrates why God so often leads us one step at a time without telling us more. When God told Jonah what he would say in Nineveh, Jonah rejected the call. God often only tells us what we can handle at the time. Jonah, yes, Lord. Go to Nineveh. Yes, Lord. What do I say? I'll tell you when you get there. I'll tell you when you get there. What's our response? Yes, sir. 
Adam, where are you going? Nineveh. What are you going to say? Don't know. Really? God knows. You're going you're gonna to wait for further instructions? One step at a time. One step at a time. Isn't that, isn't that frustrating? Yeah. Why? Because I'm an all-parade kind of guy. What do you mean? I want to stay, I want to stay on top of the, 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 you know, the highest building and go, look, I can see the whole parade from beginning to end. How cool is that? That's not how parades are meant to be seen, are they? How are they? One float at a time. That's how life is meant. God, one step at a time. One step at a time. Hey, I want you to pick up your, I want you to move the Lubbock. What am I going to do there? Trust me. Just go. Okay, Lord said go. What are you going to do? I don't know. Your family's going, you're crazy. Okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm sure. That's exa- you see what's going on with Jonah? Jonah, go. Go. Guys, think about it, right? What was the purpose of Jonah? Well, the purpose was to preach a message, right? And, and preaching is for the purpose of saving people. The words that came from Jonah's mouth will not be his own. They're God's. And God will put him there. Why? Because God is a God of second chances, and he's wanting the people to repent. Do you realize that Nineveh at this time had over 600,000 souls in it? Look at verse 3. How much time do we have? Okay. So Jonah arose. Amen, Jonah. Amen. And he went to Nineveh. Why? Because hashtag love people, right? That's what we're called to do. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day walk. Then he cried out and he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Right? Having learned the lesson that resisting the will of God is both futile and counterproductive, Jonah now obeys and he goes to Nineveh. Okay? And, and the Lord calls it a great city. It's a, mod, it's a metropolitan city the size of Nineveh with a circum, circumference of about 60 miles, guys, and it would require three days to walk through it. Either walk around it or walk through it. Three days. Can you imagine? That's a big city. That's a big city. Now, guys, listen. Our core value, our second core value is to love people, right? God has called us as believers to go out and love Lubbock, Texas. You go, how so? Number one, we need to love people to life. How so? Share the gospel. Tell them about the forgiveness. Tell them about, tell them how good God is. Oh, pastor, they know God. No, no, no. They need to know Jesus and how wonderful and how gracious he is. The second thing is we need to love people back to life. There's a lot of hurting people, a lot of wounded people, a lot of people that are struggling. And God wants to use you with your beautiful smiles to just win people back. Oh, pastor, I've been hurt in church. Oh, God loves you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that people have hurt you, but, but listen. Well, I really messed up, and I can't go back to church. No, no, no. Listen, God still has a second chance, a third chance, a fourth. Listen, God's not giving up on you, and I'm not either. Come on. Come on. Jonah's message to Nineveh? Well, think about it, guys. It may be different from what you're called to do for your coworkers, right? Now, I know some of you would love to go to your boss tomorrow morning and say, 40 days and this whole building's going to go down. That's not the message God has given you, okay? But Jonah began to enter the city on the first day, and he cries out 40 days. Now, listen, now before we see the second chance of Nineveh, let's take a moment to break this down. You go, how so? Think about this, man. Do you ever wonder what Jonah looked like? I, I get the picture of Gollum. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've never seen the whole movie, but I just figured, listen. He his his skin is probably bleached white from all the acid in, inside the stomach, right? And you go, why do you think he looks like that? Well, I'm pretty sure the acid wiped out every hair on his body. I mean, I mean, think about this. One thing to not have hair on the top of your head, but your eyebrows are gone too. 
And, and you knew they grew beard. All of a sudden, here comes this guy, completely white as a ghost, right? He comes walking in. Now he's sun-dried, and he's saying, Thus says the Lord, 40 days, right? I mean, I'm just thinking, wow, that would just have been a sight. Not to mention the people that were sitting, right? I mean, hey, hey, bro. Hey, let's go fishing. Yeah, and they're sitting on, right? They're sitting in the Mediterranean. They're fishing. All of a sudden, this fish goes, and here comes a guy out of it. <laughs> right? That's going to leave a mark. I mean, I'm running. I mean, nightmares for days, right? Here's this guy. He's like, Ugh, where's Nineveh? You're just like. <laughs> it's one of those questions where it's like, listen. You and your friend are fishing, right? And you're like, man, I am so out of here. And you go, you're not going to be able to outrun the guys. Like, I don't have to outrun the guys. I just have to outrun you. I'm just gone. Here's this white. I mean, just anyways. So now you have a bleached, bald man who came out of the sea walking into your city. Film at 11. I wonder what, what that would be like in our day, right? Everybody would be Snapchatting it. Check it out. Right? Everybody would be, you know, it'd be on Twitter, be on Instagram. Watch, watch. The message was not a message of love. Why? Because anytime you mention 40 days, guys, 40 days is always a message of judgment. He says 40 days, 40 days, and, and, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. The word overthrown is applied to destruction like it was at Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's a very, it's a very interesting word. So what did the people do? Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. If you have a pencil handy, here's what I would write right next to that. I would write the response of the people, repentance. Repentance. Now you go, Ben, 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 Ben. The word repentance isn't in this passage. I, I get that. But repentant, repentance isn't really a word, is it? It's something you do. And all these people, after seeing Jonah, said, I've got to change. Because that's what repentance is. Here's what repentance You guys ready? This is what it means to repent. You're walking in one direction, and it means to have a change to turn and go into another direction. Here's the problem with repentance. Here's how we look at it sometimes. We think repentance is this. And we keep walking in the same direction. And somebody goes, did you repent? Well, I did back there. No, repent means changing, and that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. You go, how so? Again, notice, Jonah comes in. 40 days, and it's all going to be destroyed. And everybody's like, oh! It's the white bull dude, whatever it is, right? And all of a sudden they realize, why? Because God is going to give Nineveh a second chance. And really that's what it is about us, guys. We're called to love people back to life. We're called to love people. The Ninevites, it was wicked and gross, and yet God wanted to save them. How do I know that God is a God of second chance? Let me close with this. I've got just two minutes, but let me close with this. Hosea chapter 3. Do you guys remember the story? Hosea was called to marry Gomer, a prostitute. Have three kids with them. Two that he's going, I don't even know if they're mine. And God says, you need to love them. Why? Because this is a similitude of what I want to do with Israel. Here's where chapter 3 ends up. Gomer had run the run her prostitution, had got involved. And anyway, she ends up on the slave market. And God tells Hosea, I want you to go back and I want you to buy her back. Go buy your wife. If that's not a God of a second and third, and, I mean, I want you to put yourself as I want you to put yourself in Gomer's situation, right? You're at your wit's end. You're gonna end up a slave. You're gonna end up a slave with somebody who's gonna treat you until you die. And you're sitting there and you go, where has my life gone? And God in his great... Now remember, Hosea represents the father, right? Comes and says, no, 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 no. I'm not done with Gomer. I'll buy her. 
I'll buy her. Church, let me encourage you with this. Maybe you're here today and you're just needing a second chance. Well, today's the day. Pastor, what do I need to do? Just open you up and say, God, I'm so sorry. I know you've been pursuing me with your love. Open the eyes of my heart so that I can see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Please forgive me. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Because God's not done with you yet. He's got a plan. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you so much, God, that we can get into your word and we can dig deep. And we thank you for Jonah. And we have so much more we need to learn from him. But tonight, God, we know that, that God, the key to what we've learned is that you love us. And even though we make mistakes and we run from your presence and we end up in the belly of a fish or we're just simply doing life like Ninevites, you're saying that you still have a plan for us. And Lord, with that statement, that's what we're going to stand upon. God's not finished with us and God's not finished with Lubbock and God's not finished with the people that we love. And so God, we're going to agree in Jesus' name that we're not giving up on people and we're going to love people just like you love people. And God, just use us. Use us to talk to our friends and our bosses and our co-workers and our family. Use us to talk to our brothers and our sisters. Use us to talk so that, so, so that they can see that, that, God, you're not finished with them. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.